Hey there, enjoying SBO Perspectives? Make sure to like, subscribe, and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, on to this week's episode. Welcome to SBL Perspectives, the pulse of school business. And the official podcast of ASBO International. The official podcast. And we have, well, actually, before I introduce it, I got to introduce myself, right, John? Right. We don't know who's talking. <laughs> yeah, I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed. John Percato. You think I noticed, right? We've been doing this two years. It's not like we do it every <laughs> week, but hey, we're good. <laughs> Exactly. But um, I tell you, I guess I got so excited because we are in the dirty, dirty, as they call it, the South. And um, a really, I mean, you know what, when we'll, we'll talk about it afterward. But John, go ahead and just introduce it. Yeah, we have a really exciting episode for you all today. And as I say in the interview, in honor of Women's Month, we wanted to bring in a real powerhouse uh, when it relates to school finance. And what a powerhouse. Yeah, mm. we did not uh, fall short this time. We have uh, Brenda Burgett. She is the CFO of Norman Public Schools in Oklahoma. And we talk about just her storied career of 32 years, all that she's done to give back to her state ASBO and ASBO International, and really mm -hmm. dive into how she's dealing with all of the challenges that Oklahoma's having to face from a government that is inadequately funding public education to historic weather events that are really putting pressures on her in her budget and, you know, taking money things. away yeah. from the instructional component of a public school. So we're really excited to bring you this interview with Brenda today. Today, in honor of Women's Month, we have Brenda Burkett. She is the CFO of Norman Public Schools in Norman, Oklahoma. Brenda, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you today. Brenda. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. How you doing? Doing good. It's a spring break week here in Oklahoma, but I'm in the yes. office trying to get things done this week while everybody's at home enjoying some time off. <laughs> Not always a spring break for the school business official, right? <laughs> we're, we're so excited that we're venturing down south to speak to you. And I mean, you for Women's Day could not have been the perfect person uh, for us to have on. Um, and I mean, you know, going down to the Sooner State and I hear that's the birthplace of Brad Pitt. Um, we're really excited about this, too. So um, Oklahoma's in the house. <laughs> um, so as anything else, Brenda, you know, we want to get acclimated and get settled uh, for this episode. If you could just please, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, about maybe your background. I mean, listen, I read about you, so I know. Um, and if you got to take 10, 15 minutes, no, I'm just kidding. But if <laughs> but, but if, if you want to go in, into it, because um, you have a really great uh, story career um, and maybe go into what your role is right now as the CFO for Norman Public Schools, I uh, appreciate that. Sure. So I have been fortunate to work for Norman Public Schools here in Oklahoma for the last 32 years. When I came to Norman Public Schools, I was the accounting coordinator and my supervisor, I guess, immediately saw a spark and something in me that he really appreciated and started grooming me from day one into wow. the, becoming uh, prepared for his retirement and for me to try to step into the role of CFO. And so after working with an incredible boss who introduced me to ASBO, um, mm. 
I was really fortunate when the time came and the opportunity opened up that I was able to become the CFO for the district in 1997. And I mentioned ASVO. Wow. Um, Wayne was instrumental when I first uh, started working, and he took me to my first Oklahoma ASVO conference. Okay. I walked in thinking, okay, who are all these people? Do I know anybody? Of course I don't. <laughs> and I can tell you now that 32 years later, um, after that first step into Oklahoma ASBO and then immediately getting engaged with ASBO International, it's wow. just been uh, the, the best move and it's meant the most to me personally and to my career um, certainly uh, has um, been very rewarding. I'm eligible to retire now, but I'm still okay. just really in Of course. Enjoying. Still loving what it. it? Huh? Yeah. What's 32 right. years? Come on, you can do that in 30. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, Brenda, you I think it's an understatement to say you're a staple when it comes to the school business realm. You know, 32 careers at your district. If I have this right, you were SBO of the year for Oklahoma ASBO in 2015. You're a former ASBO international president, a Pinnacle Award winner. You have quite the the rap sheet there. So <laughs> when you reflect back on your career, what are some of your most proud accomplishments? And conversely, what are some of those challenges you may have faced over your career as well? Sure. I think um, I'll probably, I'll tell you that, uh, honestly, the my involvement on the board of, of directors and then ultimately being able to serve as Boner National as president was truly the, the highlight of my career. I was a very involved member, as I stated, um, with both local or state and uh, even as Boner National. And, uh, started making a lot of friends, um, really growing my network of colleagues and people to reach out to and, uh, you know, do this job with. And uh, so when I had the opportunity to run for the board and ultimately become president, um, it was it's just it was just um, it was really rewarding. And uh, I would say that the visitations that we are allowed to do and, and encouraged to do as we serve on ASBO International's board um, provided me such an opportunity to meet with members that I otherwise would not have been able to meet. Um, already had a, pig, uh, a large group of um, friends and networking, and that just expanded. And, mm. and probably in that um, time frame, it was actually when I was serving as past president in 2017, we had a delegation of our ASBO International group go to Cuba. We were invited wow. um, by the Minister of Education of the Republic of, of Cuba to come and to um, see how they do education there. And it was just an amazing trip uh, to learn about the Cuban education system. And um, they have a literacy rate of over 97%. Wow, 97, wow community. And the thing I would just say real quick is that Cuba is 100% subsidizing not only K-12 education, but they even subsidize through the university level. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. So it's like, I mean, a major piece of their Cuban budget is focused on education. They know that's what it takes yes. to, you know, improve and grow. And it was just amazing to see their schools and to be in uh, involved in that process and to see that. That was really well, like Like you said, they they know it's a major investment. Education, the future is. But John, I'm sorry, go ahead. What did you no, say? No, no, no. I was just going to so how long were you in Cuba for? We were there a week. 
Wow. Um, and had the opportunity. We went to act. We went to schools. We went to the uh, Cuban consulate. We were able to, and then see some of the economy and visit with the students. And it was it was really a remarkable opportunity for us mm. to serve as really from the states as yes. ambassadors mm-hmm. for our profession and for public education, and then to just see. And to have that reciprocation and that network and connection was was really sounds like it. You know, we had an episode. I know you mentioned um, before we got on. Uh, you, you just becoming acclimated to the podcast, if you will, right? Um, so you may not know much about it. We just had one recently. Um, that I mean, it will blow you away. Uh, honestly, it was with Life Touch and a mission they just had earlier this year. Yeah, to um, Guatemala. Uh, it was it was big, big. But um, anyway, just. Then I'm going to get off on tangent. Just something you mentioned about Cuba just struck that that chord. Um, so anyway, I, again, you know, as I stated, you may or may not be too familiar with the podcast. Um, but, you know, we did speak recently um, with the current as well national president, John Hutchison. And actually, he's somebody that um, we had on in the first year. Um, he was one of the first ones to come on outside of New York. Um to our podcast, and um, we know he's also based in Oklahoma, such as you're in an interesting state. Um, and we've heard some some recent stories um, about newer things happening in um, in Oklahoma. One thing that we've heard is um, about shortened school weeks. Um, and maybe if you could shed any light on that, um, you know, or, or anything that maybe that folks just don't know about Oklahoma and what's really pertains to um, to your schools out there. Sure. And I will tell you that, uh, John, I mentored John uh, into... I was going to say something. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Um, Whenever I was serving on the international board, uh, John reached out to me and said, hey, Brenda, I really, um, you know, that's my goal. I want want to be where you are and try to give back to the profession. What should Mm -hmm. I be doing? And so I really encouraged him about, you know, getting involved and everything. So it it was, it's almost a proud mama moment. I was going to say, look at him now. You You got that look in your face too. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, and the other thing I will tell you, you know, you mentioned earlier about Oklahoma. Um, Yes, Brad Pitt was born here, but uh, my -hmm. claim to fame is I grew up in Yukon, Oklahoma with Garth Brooks. He and I were, uh, we went childhood all the way through college actually together. Wow. That's my claim to fame if anybody cares. That's a big claim to fame. (laughs) It's not to see that there. Wow, Brenda. (laughs) Um, And I would say, uh, I think part of your uh, question was, you know, what's something that maybe um, people don't know about Oklahoma? Yes, like certain weeks, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and I would say it's not not a lot to brag about, honestly, but uh, I have... um, and, and if anybody's, you know, listening to the national statistics, um, you'll find that Oklahoma is usually ranked in the bottom 10 in the nation when it comes to what we spend uh, for public education. And, you know, that's kind of an, it's an embarrassing, uh, it's not really any, obviously nothing to brag about it, but it is what it is. Um, we had a speaking of ASBO International, Wanda Erb, who's uh, currently serving as one of the directors. She came to our fall conference this last fall, and she was sitting next to me whenever we were going through a legislative presentation. And I mean, her mouth just dropped when she saw what we spend on education. We, we've got an average, I think, in Oklahoma of only about $9,300 per student. Our regional average, which encompasses New Mexico, Kansas, Colorado, Missouri, right in there, our regional average is almost 11,000. So in our region, we're dead last. 
Um, and we do have, um, we've got probably one of the better funding formulas um, that it's been studied and okay. it's been looked at, and it's really an equitable state aid funding formula. It's mm -hmm. just woefully underfunded. Um, so I've seen a stat that says that it's a, we have an A minus on our funding formula for equity, but a big old fat F for our spending numbers for our students. And the other thing that caught Wanda's attention is that our average teacher pay teacher compensation is about 55,000. And again, her mouth just dropped because being from Pennsylvania and uh, up in the Northeast. That is, yeah, a big difference. are much higher. We got a petition so. governor state. <laughs> Yes, I know. And that, I mean, that leads in, I mean, I guess we can kind of jump in there. Uh, and I will tell you that um, we are really a uh, Republican state. And I don't, I hate politics getting into education. It's hard not to, though. It is, it is what it is. And right now, to give you an example, our, um, our governor and our state superintendent of pu public instruction um, are really anti-public education. There is more of a push right now for um, choice for families. And I am one of the biggest proponents of choice. I, you know, whether they go to another public school district, whether they go to private, families yeah. should have their choice. Um, but what I'm adamantly against is the voucher program, the tax credit. They keep calling, you know, they use different words for it. Uh, but basically, it is taking public dollars and funding uh, families for their homeschool or private school choice. Um, and right now, there's a bill out there to really uh, even grow our voucher program more. We're the, we have the largest voucher program already right. in our region. We spend over $11 million on a voucher program where our surrounding states spend nothing practically. And literally zero in three of the surrounding states. So as we're moving through this legislative session that we're in right now, there's really a push for even more, quote, tax credits. And I think a lot of us would agree that if you are a family that can afford private schooling, this, this voucher, this tax credit is really going to families that can already afford it. You don't sure. have your, uh, a lot of families that they don't even have that choice, that that ability. So a tax credit going to the ones who can already afford the private schooling is really um, kind of a, a real sore spot for us. And um, so we're really, uh, um, sadly, uh, Republican dominant in our state government. Uh, the second day Governor Stitt was in office, he removed all of the State Board of Education members. He, there was one person left on the board that had any public education connection whatsoever, and he removed her. So right now, I have a state board of education with no experience, no involvement, and quite frankly, no support for public education. So it's a, a real concerning time as we're approaching the end of this legislative session. And, you know, people say, well, that sh it shouldn't matter to you that those monies are going to private, you know, if that's where they want to send the dollars. But any kind of money that comes off the top of the state revenue picture does impact the funding that comes to our public schools. And so that's 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 the, the really kind of the negative concern that we have right now. And how long have you been dealing with this voucher program? Is this new with Governor Stitt's leadership or has this been kind of looming over Oklahoma public schools for a long time? 
Well, Governor Stitt just was re-elected, um, and it's really been during his time. So we're now in our fifth, we're, you know, into our fifth year of this voucher program. Wow. And $130 million, right? Go ahead, John. Yeah. No, I was going to say it's interesting The you know, not that we want to get too political, but it's interesting that the governor and his leadership are willing to funnel more money into this voucher program, yet you are one of the least funded states in, in the union. So one could maybe make the argument that if you would just funnel more money into public education, maybe that could better serve and better attract those in your communities to put their kids in public schools rather than having to look for a voucher program like you. And even those that don't even need them necessarily, but maybe there would be a better attraction to public schools. So that's a really interesting um, dilemma you're facing now. Are you, are you finding that your state aid increases year after year are suffering because of this voucher program? Cause you mentioned the money has to come from somewhere. So is it coming from the coffers of public education to then fund these voucher programs? Yes, it is. Um, we are sitting right now on a surplus as the legislators are looking at how to spend additional dollars. So to um, kind of repeat a little bit of your comment just then, I mean, we are, um, it, you can't starve uh, public education and expect some different outcomes. Right. Um, and instead of saying, well, they are a failing school, let's send those kids and send that money someplace else. To your point, no, we should be focusing on funding that school and making sure that it is, that it does have the the funds necessary to, for those kids to be successful. Well, what about his merit pay raises, you know, versus the overall teacher salary increases? Like, how's that being received since there's such a teacher shortage out there as well? Abs- you know, absolutely. And it's a nationwide crisis trying to, um, you know, we got a teacher uh, retention and a teacher recruitment Uh, Both of those, you know, trying to get teachers in, you know, we're competing against each other in Oklahoma, and then we're Mm. certainly competing in our surrounding states. You know, I already talked to you about what we pay compared to the other states. So it's it's very easy for um, some of our teachers to make decisions to cross over into a nearby state. And I had one, uh, I know one of my friends, when their daughter graduated from uh, Oklahoma University, um, she went down to Texas and she was making as much with her starting salary as we are, we've been paying here in Norman for our 30 year experience. What? Wow. Yeah. 30 years versus exactly. year one? Starting in Texas is where we, you know, the top of our pay table. They're going to so, be moving down there. That's, the next, that's one state over. <laughs> and is there, is there a big variance in, I guess, cost of living between your neighboring states or is it not? that disparate. No, it is not that disparate. And oftentimes, you know, when I talk about Pennsylvania, New York, and, and, you know, how much teachers make up there compared to here, you know, that's always a card that's thrown out as well. It's a cost of living difference. Even with that factored in by the specialists that do all that, um, we are woefully underfunded. So the, Mm. um, the merit pay, um, it, in a public school setting, I think one of the things that we've always been able to, um, brag about is that we share best practices and best ideas. I don't care if you're a school business official or if you're a teacher in the school profession, we don't, we don't hold to our chest something that works great. We share it with our neighbor teachers, you know, down the hall or whatever. And I think there's a real concern with merit pay that that's going to stop. I mean, if two teachers are both uh, vying for a merit pay increase they're going to hold that best practice and try to make sure their class 
excel more than the one next door. Um, And, you know, again, tying that to uh, the school business um, official, we do. I mean, we share ideas. If I have a great idea, if I've mm-hmm. learned something or if something totally didn't work for me, I'm sharing that out with yeah. my friends. Um, so I really, con- I'm just concerned that merit pay mm. is not rewarding everyone because yeah. we are woefully, um, yeah. we're not paying our teachers enough. We're not paying our te- teaching assistants enough. Um, just across the board, all of the different positions, um, it's really a... Um, kind of fighting tooth and nail to see, you know, how can we increase salaries across the board? So Mm -hmm. a merit pay, and then we all know that, um, you know, especially in public education, we don't turn away any students. So what, what year, uh, what, what is the makeup of a teacher's classroom that year? It could Um, be incongruent. Yeah, absolutely. And then if we give a merit pay in Norman, and then that teacher goes to more public schools up the interstate, does that teacher retain that merit increase or does Mm. he or she go back to just what the base salary is and they kind of quote lost that merit pay and now they're starting over? I mean, those are just some of the initial issues that we're concerned about. Um, We really need all teachers, all employees to be able to be making more. If we could ever get to that point, then I think maybe some merit pay on top of that might be warranted. But I think we've got a long ways to go before we're there. Yeah, it sounds like a reprioritization of state funding is in order. And I'm wondering, too, uh, Jack and I were just in New York State Capitol of Albany advocating on behalf of public educators. What does the advocacy look like uh, with you and your your, uh, counterparts in districts around the state? Is there a big contingency pushing for public education to be better funded. And I'm, I'm sure you're met with some resistance, but give us a little glimpse of what that looks like in Oklahoma. Yes, we work with our professional associations here, ASBO, of course, being one of them, uh, and really just try to um, educate our uh, our public and our legislators both about uh, what, what some of the trials and tribulations are that we're working on and really to share those, those concerns. Um, and um, it, it really, you know, I think the legislators get tired of hearing from superintendents and CFOs. Uh, we really try to push with our parent groups and with our patrons and say, you know, your voice directly to that legislator is going to make a huge difference. And, and we have legislators that are um, pr- definitely pro-public education. But unfortunately, we do have that Republican majority and they're following the governor and the state superintendent's um, lead, I guess, on um, the naysaying. And um, I think we've just all really got to pull together and really be um, advocates for um, what we do in public education. Well, Brenda, I have to hand it off to you. I mean, 32 years in the profession, you show no signs of stopping, although all these odds are stacked against you. <laughs> that's you that's really, really commendable. Yeah. And just to add to that, uh, you know, we were looking too, there's been a huge windfall of funding to public schools across the nation. And this was a result of the, the pandemic and there's COVID relief funds. And we saw that you're one of the three states that the United States Department of Education did an audit on. And I'm just wondering, in that federal audit, uh, it was stated that there could have been a misappropriation of funds or, uh, you know, 31 million, 31 million million of the 40 million. Yeah, it was misspent. So 
I'm sure that's open to interpretation, especially from you sitting in the seat of a CFO. Can you maybe shed some light on that and, and why the, the Fed is saying that these funds may have been misspent? And, and just so people are listening, it's not connected to you whatsoever. It's just the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda personally misspent $31 million. Yes. No, 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 no. She's a pro. Yeah. <laughs> Norman did not misspend all of that money. And this won't surprise you when the first thing I tell you is that our um, Republican governor blamed the misspending partly on the federal pressure to distribute the money quickly without clear guidance. And he said, that's what happens when big government goes out throwing their money around. So, you know, definitely, you know, what okay. is that saying? That when you point a finger out, you got four fingers pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yes, there was um, not enough oversight on uh, those monies given out. They Families were receiving money um, supposedly to help with um, to buy children computers and supplies Mm -hmm. and uh, what much of the money was spent on were televisions, gaming centers, Apple watches. So, yes. They just wouldn't just boil that stuff. (laughs) Like it was Christmas. There really were a, a lot of problems. And then when the auditors did come in, uh, they, the state could not provide supporting documents to show that, uh, some of the money went that went to private schools because he he allocated about sixty five hundred again in this voucher scheme. Well, in the voucher program, um, and uh, but when the auditors came in, they could not find where there were supporting documents for those families that were e- that were supposedly even enrolled in private schools. So, yes, another embarrassment for our state. Um, but it was not. You guys to pick up though, yeah. yeah. No worries. Well, listen, you know, Brenda, it's something I also noticed, um, you know, just looking over the past several years, right? We've heard stories of such extreme weather related events throughout the state, right? Even some um, a recent this year in your state. So what seemingly is the overall, I guess, effect or impact it has on education? I guess, because the more and more this happens, you know, you're going to have to to pivot and, and how you you know, combating these events, you know, and, and managing them moving forward as it seemed to really increase and increase in frequency and intensity. Right. When I first uh, started with the school district, there I, I would have at least three or four major insurance companies providing a quote for our district property coverage. Um, those companies have st- have left Oklahoma. They see the wind and hell uh, wow. events that come through. You know, February 27th, so what, maybe three weeks ago, uh, a tornado, I live off of 36th, and a tornado touched down and decimated a neighborhood on 24th. I mean, it was literally less than a mile uh, from my home. So it, 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 it was very- um, It touched home. Touch home to you, yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, and I don't have a storm shelter. I was in my closet. Um, so you know, you just really cross your fingers and and you never know where those things are gonna drop down. And we're used to having those storms, you know, in March, April, May. So to have a tornado touch down in my own backyard, literally, uh, into February is like, wow, you just never know, right? Um, yeah. and then there were a couple of years ago, we had um a hell storm that hit Norman. It was unique to just my community, uh, three and a quarter inch hell stones. So you think about wow. the size Ooh, of that hell stone. That's some real damage. 
We had a, uh, thankfully, when that health storm came through in 21, we had a $10,000 deductible insurance program. And part of our coverage was that it didn't matter. Uh, it One storm had one deductible. It didn't matter that it hit 15 of my buildings. We had that one deductible. I compare that now to the insurance coverage that the only option I had this past year for a deductible was a percentage of the value of the property. Had we had a 3% deductible in 2021 with my $157 million worth of damage, I would have had a $4.5 million deductible. That wow. is crazy. I mean, I've been, because I've been under this 3% deductible program, when that tornado hit a few weeks ago, thankfully, um, my build, two of my elementary schools, they lost power, but there was no building damage. Uh, the neighborhoods the housing is what really took the direct hit. Mm -hmm. But wow. if we had had the damage like we had back in 21, I would have had a four and a half dollar deductible. So that's the really the, uh, the thing about Oklahoma and insurance coverage and how it affects the school business official is one, we barely have any options to choose from when it comes to coverage, because so many carriers have um, decided they don't even want to try to write coverage for property in Oklahoma. Um, and then that um, deductible is a huge concern. Premiums this last year, going into this school year that we're in now, uh, across the state, people were seeing premiums right uh, in the double digit percentage. So it's a, it's a huge budget item here. Um, because of that yeah. uh, vulnerability that we have to our, our wind and hell and tornadoes here. And I was going to say, is that changing how you're budgeting than what you're typically used to, having to account for these potential disasters and the lack of insurance coverage that you're seeing in your state? And second to that, are you having to draw funds away from your instructional program to ensure that you're financially solvent? Um, yes and yes <laughs> on both of those. Double yes. <laughs> um, because, um, again, not knowing when the next storm's going to hit and then trying to, what, all of a sudden come up with four and a half million for a deductible. So I've really been trying to um, build a, a reserve for the deductible. And so that does mean that if I've got some money coming in, instead of saying, great, we had this new revenue source or, or whatever. And of course I can't do grants and things for, you know, a reserve for deductible, but mm -hmm. if it's discretionary funding, instead of throwing that into the instructional program, um, I'm having right now to try to put, build up that reserve for the potential of a, a really catastrophic hit to our community again. Wow. You have That's to. That's tough. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, yeah. Brenda, this has been incredible and Amazing. really eye-opening. I mean, I would say uh, yeah. you so and much. Your, your, your fellow SBOs are incredibly resilient. Uh, Oklahoma uh, sounds like a tough state, but you, you all are doing a wonderful job keeping the ship afloat. So, you know, winding down here, we always offer our guests an opportunity to impart vice advice um, with our listenership. So we have new school business officials that are just cutting their teeth in the profession and those like yourself that have uh, an incredible career. So we're wondering, could you offer some advice to our listenership today? My advice to the brand new school business official or even one that's been in the business 30 years like I have, um, I think that there's never enough hours in the day. There's constant um, interruptions and demands on us. And I would say um, focus on yourself and focus on your finance team. 
if you can build up your team and empower them to where when you do have a project that needs to be done, perhaps you can delegate that project. Perhaps you can empower somebody on your finance team to make a stab at it and then mentor them and help them through um, what perhaps wasn't done correctly or how you would have done it better. I just think that modeling and mentoring the new ones that are coming on uh, is so important for those of us that have been around a while. And um, we've talked a lot in this in this podcast just about the, the negative connotation and the negative feeling of public education. And we need to be, we shouldn't be in um, agreeing saying, yeah, I know, you know, we don't have good teachers anymore. Or, yeah, that principle. I mean, the negativity cannot come from inside out. We have to right. stay uh, passionate about our jobs and about what we do for kids. You know, public education is the the one element that is that helps all patrons and all people to be successful. And I think we've got to be ambassadors. I think we need to share the success of our local schools and our local communities. Stay engaged. Um, you know. Let the community know the wonderful things that are going on within your school buildings. Invite them in. Um, let them see, you know, in this day and age of social media, you cannot post enough positive, good things on Facebook well or said. on Twitter. Uh, that's uh, where a lot of people go. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of the negative, you know, people are, um, they mm -hmm. can type behind their computer screen and on their keyboard, <laughs> and say, you know, nobody, they don't it's have to look to somebody that. in the face. And, yeah. They're just the vile um, negativity. I think we just have to always be better than that and put those positive mm -hmm. pictures of kids and what our teachers are doing and really try to promote from within and within our communities. Well, Brad, yes, thank you for that. Awesome. That sage advice I, that was incredibly well said. And, uh, you know, speaking from experience, you know, you 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 said it all too well. So thank you so much for for your time today. We Thanks really so much, appreciate it. And we'll see you in two weeks, by the way. Absolutely. See you in two weeks, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll be there. Two weeks. Great. Be in DC. All right. Yeah. Thanks all right, again. Guys. Nice Take visiting care. with you. Have a great day. Thank you again for tuning in to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Brenda. That was really incredible that was to hear. Quite yeah, all of the things that they have to deal with in Oklahoma. You know, we think we have it tough sometimes here in New York. Yeah. But it's not even close. They got everything out there. And you know what's so interesting, John, is that so, I mean, she is the powerhouse. Quite she is that. Um, and so knowledgeable, all the years of experience. And staying so strong through all this. I mean, the weather, I, I thought that was, you know, when I looked that up, I was like, ah, this is something, you know, but that is a real major impediment. I mean, the cost and... Yeah, the way those it, premiums are changing and the deductibles yeah, are changing. It, it really I, changes it, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, politics is politics. I have nothing against, you know, I mean, whatever, against politics or any side of the party you are. It's fine to me. But to show how, I guess... What's happening there is, is it's a battle for them to get the money because yeah. if they're already in the low part of the state, I mean, this country, I should say, of funding per pupil, um, it, it's tough. It's tough for them to really grow and, and really build on that, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and to be victim to politics and just partisan policy is, is challenging, but it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like it's stopping Brenda. She shows no sign of stopping, actually. No, so, she's going strong. You know, that it's really inspiring to speak with someone like her who's so resilient and passionate about the work. So 
It's and let me a- ask you this real quick. Do you think we got a little celebrity adjacent right here when she mentioned Garth Brooks? Yeah, maybe. Do you think he'd want to come on SBO Perspectives? I don't know. I mean, it's not really uh, adjacent to his work, but we could find a connection. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, Garth Brooks, if you're listening, uh, hop but- on. We'll, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> oh, boy. It was great. Yeah. yeah so thank really you again, nice. everyone, for tuning in, and we'll speak to you next week.